Welcome to the Live Your Dance Podcast. My name is Molly King, and I'm a former corporate working girl turned author, dancer, and coach. Each week we come together to celebrate someone who has found their metaphorical dance and listen to their insights in order to inspire you to find and live your dance. Thanks for tuning in and joining me today. Now, let's dance. Hey guys, I have an awesome episode for y'all this week, brought to you all the way from Bali. I talked with Dave Buddha all about his transitions from being a naval officer to getting into music, and then later into now he's a podcast host and travels and gets to coach from anywhere in the world. We talk specifically about how to stretch your comfort zone, how to do work that actually feeds your soul versus destroying it and not being driven by the paycheck. Gosh, Dave has so many great insights. I'm super excited to dive in and let you listen to his story. So let's get to it. I don't know if that's, I'm supposed to do that then. But, okay. Enthusiasm always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's 10 o'clock p.m. for me. It's noon tomorrow for him, which is awesome. He's in Bali. Yeah. And he is killing it. And Dave, I'm so excited that we get to turn tables and I get to interview you now because I have a feeling you have some good stories and insights to share with all of us. Well, so I have thanks. some, yeah, I have some, and then I might make some up if I don't, if they're not good enough. <laughs> Embellishment. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, for those of, for those of my listeners who don't know you and aren't well acquainted with your podcast, or your blog, can you tell them a little bit about what you're up to these days and what you have your hands into? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny. I, I was thinking of myself as a podcast guest today and I was realizing that I don't really have like a good angle. Like I don't have, I, there's a lot of things <laughs> that I've got going on, but I don't have like that. Like, yeah, you know, Hey Molly. Yep. I, I am a mountain climber and I just finished climbing Annapurna or something. And or like, <laughs> I don't, like I've just got a lot of stuff going on. So, um, and a lot of interesting things, like a lot of different threads that people like to pull on. But uh, I just sure. I just started a podcast a couple months ago. It's called Darken the Page, and it's basically my ex- it's an extension of my fascination with the creative process. So I've been a creative person my whole life, whatever the hell that means. But I've been a I've been a professional <laughs> musician and a touring musician for about fifteen years, and then I've been a writer throughout my entire life as well. And so this is my fascination with where great art comes from and mm. and it's almost it's like an unanswerable question in a way i mean this is because it's different for everybody and then it, it dives into what i consider the most mysterious parts of life which is this kind of formless space where great ideas come from and and so really it's like a never-ending conversation that i just wanted to uh, start having and and thought that'd be really fun um so that's the most recent thing i'm, I'm up to um, 
but uh, you know, we we also shared some stories about being a, a life coach. So I've also done that. Um, I'm kind of a world traveler now. I'm getting ready to go to Thailand and India for a few months, and um, and I'm also um, kind of a big relationship geek. So my wife and I are in an open relationship, and I write about relationships a lot. And that's kind of another thread that gets crazy sometimes. Yeah. Thread slash life. It's all yeah. It's all related. Yeah. But yeah. But I'm super excited about creativity these days, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I was going to say that's a great way to create some job security for your podcast because it really is just the never-ending hole of learning about each person's, their own take on it, which I think is fascinating. So Yeah, like we'll never like – yeah, we won't like reach the day where it's just like we figured it out and then it's all over, I think. (laughs) You know, that would be kind of – that would be awesome if that could happen though. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to like check done on that topic. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's fun to, to have it keep going forever. And mm-hmm. for those of you who haven't listened to his podcast, go check out Darken the Page. It's it's pretty awesome. He has some yeah. cool, cool stories on there. Great people. And Dave's obviously a great host. So I have this awesome guest um, named Molly King, too. Oh, whoa. Crazy. She's you so should rad. definitely listen to that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I, uh, gosh, I have so many questions for you. Um, let me start with this one. Actually, I've been pondering this a lot lately, but tell me just kind of your basic beliefs about work. Like some people believe that work shouldn't be entertainment, that it should just be like the daily grind, you get your paycheck and then the rest of your life is play. Or do you believe that? Well, you tell me (laughs) what, what are your beliefs about work? Well, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of value in grinding. I think uh, I don't know who I would have been if I hadn't have grounded out for 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 some years. Um, I, you know, I, I see some people t- that are kind of born into this world of um, you don't have to work, and sometimes I think that they they are they're a little bit spoiled, like they don't really. <laughs> You know, I I think there are some benefits to working a nine to five job for a while. I mean, you get to kind of understand what freedom actually is because, you know, have no contrast contrast. You know, a four year old doesn't understand what it's like to have freedom because it's just freedom. That's their whole life. Um, So I think there are some benefits to to grinding it out. Um, I was in the Navy for for five years and I spent four years at the Naval Academy. And so the Navy, in a way, is kind of a grindy job. And uh, <laughs> grindy is that that's a new so. yeah. <laughs> Do you have a grindy <laughs> job? <laughs> so you know I learned a lot from that, um, and there's a lot of um, beautiful security that happens too when you have a grindy job because then you can kind of just focus on other things in a way. I mean, I I was lucky enough to have a grindy job where I didn't have to like invest all my mind into it. It was relatively mm. easy, so I could had my iPhone at work and I would just like book music gigs or or write stuff or sometimes I even brought my guitar in and then when we're underway out to sea I would like write songs or stuff like that um I've always fantasized about having this um like night security job where I basically just have to (laughs) sit somewhere and I get paid like $15 an hour to just sit somewhere and do absolutely nothing and I just and it just becomes like my little creative like you know, space where I just bring books yeah. and, and just literally educate myself for five hours while I get paid. I always thought that would be amazing. That um, would be amazing. You know? 
I actually I actually looked. I remember this was like a two three years ago too when I was needing some money. I think at the time, and I actually looked at what it would be like to to be like a security guard or something, just to find a job where I just literally. I was just there in case something happened and like once an hour I'd like make a phone call and say, yeah, we're all good. Um, you know, but I'd have <laughs> the entire space guards. to do whatever I want. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if security guards are listening to this being like, that's not all we do. But <laughs> well, no. I, I mean, I hope that's all they do because that's all I really wanted to do. I didn't, wasn't really actually well, exactly. interested in guarding anything. I just wanted to have some time to myself and get paid <laughs> for it. So, um, <laughs> But anyways, I couldn't find, uh, alas, I couldn't find a job like that. <laughs> so I decided, yeah, yeah, librarian maybe, you know, maybe. Um, and um, so I, I, I didn't have a job like that. Um, so I decided that I'm going to have to get paid to do the things that I like doing. Um, <laughs> and I have an interesting way of looking at that. I think that, you know, I'll give you an example. And, and if I'm just tangenting, let me know or too off topic. Um, I lived in I lived in Cardiff, uh, Encinitas, California. It's a little above San Diego before I moved to Bali. I love Encinitas, yeah. Encinitas is so beautiful, and we lived in this awesome like little uh, kind of apartment house thing. And, and our downstairs neighbors um, were friends of ours, and his, his name is Mark, and he has a little company where he sells. Um, I think he like he like buys and resells iPhones to businesses or something. It basically just like he found a little something in the market that needed uh, to happen yeah. and he, he filled it and now he, you know, he buys and sells iPhone parts and, and does that and makes a decent living, has a little company, so a few employees and then surfs on the weekends and stuff like that. Um, and that's kind of like a typical entrepreneur thing, right? You find a need and you, ex- you know, you and, you, and you meet the need and yeah. you make some money. And I, yeah. and at first glance, I think that that's kind of cool. I'm like, all right, you know, that's rad. Like he just buys and sells iPhone parts and then surfs and goes to Mexico to, on the weekends and has enough money to live in Encinitas, which, you know, is not bad. Um, cool. And then on the other hand, I go, you know, and that also sucks balls um, because, <laughs> you <Tell> know, <laughs> let me tell you more. Um, so, <laughs> you know, in a way, like how is that different than working for a big company and getting paid. I mean, it's cool because you get to be your own boss, but who gives a shit about iPhones? Like who gives a shit about iPhone parts? Really? Yeah. And yeah. and so I realized that it would be easy to be an entrepreneur doing something that I didn't give a shit about. And exactly. you know, we and we somehow make that better than just having a normal job, but I don't really see the difference. You know, and so what I decided that if I was going to do this I either want to just get a job and then do my passionate stuff on the side, or I want to, I want to get a job doing something I would do for free. Like I want to make money doing something I would be happy to do anyways. And this actually all came from a question that I've asked myself over and over and over and over and over again throughout my entire life, which is essentially I, I, I said, what would I do if I was making a good salary you know, yearly for the rest of my life and I didn't have to do a thing. So when mm-hmm. I was in the Navy, what it would look like is, you know, I was, when I was in the Navy, I was a Lieutenant and I was making, let's say like $90,000 a year and uh, toward the end of it. And I said, okay, what would happen right now? This hypothetical scenario, if I get called into the boss's office and the boss says, Hey Dave, uh, you know, you've been great, but I'm sorry, we've got to cut you, 
but due to a glitch in the computer system, you've had, uh, you have this severance package, which is, we never give to anybody, but you got it. And it's basically a hundred percent of your pay for the rest of your life. That's it. You get all your benefits, hundred percent. So yeah. basically $90,000 a year for the rest of my life, all the benefits, health insurance, everything. Now the truth yeah. is I can live on $90,000 a year. That's good. You know? And so what would I do with my life? And when I, and I asked people this all the time, especially when I was on watch in the Navy, <laughs> you can imagine like four hours standing watch with me and I'm like grilling people on their life. But <laughs> I'd ask pe- your podcast. Yeah, exactly. And so I'd ask, I'd ask people and I'd think about this myself and I realized it was the common answers were, well, oh my God, I would, it was the, it was the short term stuff. So people be like, oh, well I would, you know, I've always wanted to visit uh, Greece. So I'd go to Greece yeah. and I'm like, oh, right on. Yeah, me too. I love Greece. Oh, you know what? I would, I would love to take my mom on a trip to Europe. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mom trip to Europe. Right on. What, what about after that? And I, they go for like a couple years on stuff that they've always wanted to do, quote unquote. And then they would get to this point, And again, I get to this point myself too. When I ask myself this question, get to this point two or three years later where there's kind of nothing left. And then I'm like, great. So like, let's just fast forward three years. There you are. You're still getting paid and you don't have to work. What would you want to do with your life? And they're Mm -hmm. like, huh, I never thought about that before. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then, and then the coolest answers would come up. People would be like, man, I, I just, I love taking pictures. I love photography. And I'm like, right on. Or people, I had one guy tell me, but I love, I love making things out of wood. I love woodworking mm. like that would that yeah. is just so awesomely satisfying to me just making things out of wood and and I was like wow and so then I started thinking about myself well and then I started having the conversation I said well you know <laughs> if you want to take photography and make exactly. $50,000 a year or whatever it would you know whatever your expenses would be you can do that yeah exactly you know and I found that that was so much more that was so much better than the the entrepreneur that goes and gets iPhone parts because that's a different kind of entrepreneur. You know, this is like, let's, I want to start with the thing that I would do anyways and then make money. And I think we get it. I think we get so caught up in being an entrepreneur that we kind of get it backwards. Sometimes we don't, we don't, we kind of forget that this was all about living the life that we want. It, it wasn't about joining some club that says, Oh, I'm a six figure earner entrepreneur. Like who gives a shit, you know? Yeah. And so I continually ask myself that question all the time. And I always ask myself, like, what would I be doing right now if I had, if I had an unlimited amount of money, would I be going to this restaurant? Like, well, how would I be spending my time? You know? And the truth is I, you know, I can say that for a lot of my life, that's been true or recently, you know, and I, I know that for myself, I would be here talking to you on this podcast, even if I had millions of dollars in my bank and it was coming in every month because I like this, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I didn't, absolutely. so it's like, how many decisions am I making because of money? Well, that's, that's kind of what I consider day in and day out. Right. And I think, I mean, so much of our culture is driven by money first. And then, you know, if you happen to like what you do, that's a bonus. But mm-hmm. I think we're starting to look at this trend of, oh gosh, they've coined a phrase, something like soul driven work versus paycheck driven or something like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah in my next book, I'm actually working on kind of like tiered levels of work and 
And that's what I'm saying. Uh, there's kind of a break between being self-employed, kind of like Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki, where he talks about self-employed versus being an employee versus being a business owner. But there's still levels of employment, whether you're doing a job that you absolutely hate or you're still an entrepreneur by by letter, but mm-hmm. not by spirit, because you're still tied to your computer. You're still tied to the manufacturing system or yeah. you know, whatever that is versus, you know, maybe there are some people who the next level would be automating everything and then playing. Or what I see as the top level is doing work that not only satisfies and fulfills you, but benefits and uplifts other people. And that being kind of like the ultimate stage. Yeah. But I think that's what we want. That's what actually, yeah. that's what fulfills us the most. And, and I have another mini example of, of, of this too, because I think, I think really getting into this is, is actually really important. So I'm, I've been a professional musician for 10, 15 years, and I've played over a thousand gigs, I think. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of musician friends that, and I have some that play music full time. And again, that's like a, that's a stamp, right? Like I'm a full time musician, right? That means yeah. I make all my money off music. And I know some musicians that play music like a job. You know, they play it, they, they, they do gigs they don't want to do. They, they're phoning it in when they're playing. So they're playing at some restaurant or bar, but they're just like kind of half present and they don't really want to be doing it. And the truth is if they, had a, if they had money, they wouldn't be doing this gig. They're just doing it because they need the money. And that's okay, right? But, but let's yeah, not lie speech. to ourselves and think that we're living the dream if we're doing something we don't want to do, even if that's a part of the business. Because, you know, I can, I can go around in parties and tell people I play music for a living and they automatically think that I'm out signing autographs and, and you know, on mm-hmm. tour with limos. And it's like the, it looks good at parties, but, but what yeah. is it like when you're actually in it? Is it, is it just, is it, is it still a grind? Because you can make anything a grind. Absolutely. There's no job, you know, you know, like, there are yoga teachers here in Bali that are in a grind, you know, and Uh-oh. then there are janitors in Boston where it is just play and dance all day. It is not yeah. up to the job at all. And I think that's a really important point. No, I absolutely agree. And that's I mean, that's the biggest part of living your dance where I see, you know, the Starbucks barista is just as capable of living their dance as is, you know, the six figure business owner. Um or anyone in between. I mean, it really doesn't matter what stage it is or what the clout is. It's it's about the passion, the soul, and, and that expression. And if that can be injected into your work, then that's kind of the ultimate intersection right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually wrote an article um, called uh, Doing What You Love Won't Make You Happy. And I really mm-hmm. like it. Um, and so it was all about that. You know, I saw that if you're moving heavy stuff, it could be a free gym membership or it could be, you know, you're a slave. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. it's really, you know, and, and what happens is then we wait, you know, and we, we try to, th- we think that there's a perfect job out there for us, but we can't be happy in the job we're in. You know, it's the same with relationships. We do the same thing with that, yeah. you know, so. There's so many correlations and yeah, I mean, there's a great, um, I'll, I'll link to that article in the, in the show notes for nice. sure. Um, but there's a little chapter that I wrote about in my first book with in terms of gratitude and how, you know, when I was in a job that I didn't necessarily like but looked really good, I could find things to be grateful for. But a lot of those things came out of a sense of fear rather than true abundance. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, well, I'm grateful I have a paycheck. I'm grateful I'm secure. But 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too much bigger than that or, you know, so I think a lot of people can either trick themselves and try to delude themselves to maintain a job that feels comfortable or like you were saying, change your perspective and actually love what you do, mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not just by, you know, the facade of it. Yeah. And, so, and that article, you know, doing what you love won't make you happy is a half truth, right? It's not the whole story because there is another perspective that's equally as important that says, you know, do what you love. Cause if you're just sticking around at a crappy job, you know, um, it's, it's, it's just to balance out what we, what we hear because it's, you know, we, we, we're listening to the same top 40 radio station that says, you mm-hmm. know, go find your dream job. But most people aren't saying find the dream in your job or find the thing right. in your job that you can appreciate. So I'm just kind of balancing it out a little bit, but both are really valid and important. Yeah. Yeah. I really, it's funny. I had a boss when I worked for, um, a corporate, a big business and he was also a musician in a band and we had a sit down conversation at one point where he was, it was a great mentoring moment when he just, you know, asked me to find the dance in my work. What keeps it interesting for you day after day when, you know, maybe you do love doing this or maybe there are days you don't like doing your podcast or your coaching or whatnot. Mm-hmm. How well, do you handle that? You know, I find that it's about um, really narrowing my focus and getting more precise and precise and precise until all I'm really focused on is what do I want to do in this moment? You know, I, mm. I think that what we do is we say, okay, we, we try to choose a career and then, and then make that about the future in the next couple of years and say, okay, cool. So now I'm going to do this. And I, mm. I just, I really, I think that that stops our, our life flow. So where I, when my practice is, and this is also very Bali of me, I think, but um, my practice right now is, is to really sense what I want to do in this moment because my life is my business. I mean, let's face it. I'm not, you know, there, it, at this point, there's no real separation. So right. what I'll do is I, I actually, and I do this at least once a week, but I'll, I'll sit and I, I call it the comfy chair exercise. And I got this from a guy named Michael mm-hmm. Neal. And he says, you just sit in a chair and you, you just sit in a comfortable chair and relax, you know, turn off your phone, whatever, and just wait and see what you want to do and let the shoulds go. So, you know, when, when a thought says, well, you should be doing laundry. If you don't genuinely want to do laundry, don't, you know, if you have some old recycled thoughts, like, like you want to write, like I have that, that's my, that's my, that's my like broken record is like is yeah. writing right 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 because i do often want to write but sometimes i don't and i and it takes me a second to know the difference mm-hmm. so i'm just waiting and usually i have to wait for like two or three five minutes sometimes just sit there until i feel genuinely inspired to do something and usually it's something small like i the other day i did this and i and i said okay i, I feel genuinely inspired to lay down on my back on the bed so i walked over to the bed and i laid down on my back and then as soon as I laid down, I go, huh, I want to listen to a podcast while I'm laying down on this bed because there's a podcast that I was meaning to listen to. So I grabbed my iPhone and my headphones and I just laid there and listened to the podcast. And I got back into that flow. Like that's how I got mm-hmm. back into it. And and I did it I did it the other night too. And, and it's like, and it's always kind of surprising what I want 
that's how I know I've gotten, uh, I've, I've hit, real. I've hit it. Yeah. Because yeah. if it's something that's like, oh, you know, that's what I thought I'd want. Well, then I'm still going on the, the, the thought patterns that are just kind of keeping me half anxious and half happy. So mm -hmm. so yeah. I go and I just figure out what I want to do. And, and it really helps, of course, if I have a, an hour or two that I have, don't have anything that I'm required to do. Um, right. But I just wait and I ask myself and I say, you know, whatever comes up, I just do it. And I follow that kind of like an animal, like the way the animals just follow their instincts about, you know, I mean, their animals are in this 24 seven. That's how they, they move. Dog walks around the house, just does what it feels like doing. And there's a, there's an intelligence behind that, I think. And, and, and there's a flow that I can get into where I realize that I always want to be doing something. There's like always yeah. something in my life that I want to do. And that is effortless. And if I can find that, I will, I can, I can, I can just live this kind of like life of least resistance. And so that's what I try to do. I just I'm came gonna, up with that life of least resistance. That's kind of cool, huh? Yeah, I'm going to, and I'm, I'm mulling over that. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate because I think do it. society has, like you said, the, the broken record that kind of goes against the life of le least resistance. But yeah, um, please do, because I might like, write about this and I want to know what I should be addressing. So on the other podcast where you interviewed me we talked about man's search for meaning and I uh -huh. know in that book by Viktor Frankl he talks about how and I mean in so many places by so many people they talk about this but where you know true character is shown through adversity or mm -hmm. that's when you know our moments of our life are are best shaped are when we're put to the test or put through what I call like fire moments where we're becoming re more refined mm -hmm. So how, how do you balance that? Cause I, I do the same thing. There are days when I need to just kind of let go of my shoulds and say, where am I right now? And go there. But there are also days when I may or may not feel like doing my work, um, kind of the background administrative stuff, especially, but it still has to get done. So, you know, yeah. you gotta, so yeah. And exercising that muscle. So yeah. what's your take on that? Well, I don't know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I did, but there's something in you said that, that, that didn't jive with me. And in that is this idea that the fire muscle is doing the drudge work, you know, I, I or something like that, you know? So it's like, uh, there are things like I have to do my taxes. I have to do certain things. I mean, I hire someone to do my taxes, let's face it. But, um, <laughs> there, I, I have to put together documents for them. Um, but there are things in my life that I don't really want to do, but I think if I get really honest with myself, I'd rather do it than not do it because in my mind, my mind is also calculating the consequences as well. You know, my Absolutely. mind is like, I, I think there's a greater intelligence to our desires than we realize. We don't really give ourselves credit. And so there are times when I will actually genuinely want to do drudge work. Or there are times when I'll generally want to just empty my inbox with email. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I want to kind of let let my, like, trust myself in that way. And I don't know that I'm really answering the question, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to try to move back to it a little bit. I, I love being out of my comfort zone. I'm actually, I, I'm writing a little mini ebook, which I may or may not finish, which is called Social Skydiving. And it's it's 100 ways to get out of your comfort zone. It's just ideas things that I've done and, and I've done some really oh, cool. ridiculous things. So 
I love that because I think that it, in the, it's that Anais Nin quote that really brings it home for me, which it's yeah. like, uh, our life shrink, shrinks or expands according to our courage. Ooh, you know? I like it. And, I, and I, I'm paraphrasing it, so I'd have to look it up to say it exactly. But I really believe that's true. I want to live an expanded life because my comfort zone is bigger than most people. And it really is, because, but only because I've, I've stretched it and I continue right. to. practice. And so I think that's really important because otherwise we, we bump up against the edges of fear more so than the average person by accident, you know, because it's like, oh my God, no, I can't do that. That's, no, you know, normal life might be scary if you haven't really expanded your comfort zone that much. I don't I know. Like so again, I don't even know if that answers your question at all, but <laughs> some thoughts about well, no, it. Either way, I, I like the tangent and I do hope you write that book because I think a lot of people would enjoy it. So Me too. We'll see if it um, wants to be written. yeah just see if it comes to you yeah um i like that we're already making fun of it yeah tell me now as you've kind of shifted more you've you've done the music thing and do you find that you have a mission statement that's driving you that's a good question and and then actually i think it comes back to this idea of narrowing my my concern to this moment so i don't have a mission statement. I used to I used to have a lot of mission statements. I used to come up with new life purposes every month and I would yeah. I would declare it on Facebook and I'd be really excited and I'd say, Oh guys, <laughs> I know what my life purpose is. I know it now and this is I it. Found it. I'm gonna be doing this. I actually I remember one time, this was like three years ago, maybe two years ago even, I decided I was working so much in the area of sexuality and helping men understand women and women understand men. I said, My mission is to end the battle of the sexes. And I said, <laughs> how cool does that sound? That sounds awesome, you know? Yeah. And I just stopped doing that because it it really didn't make a lot of sense. I just, I, again, I brought myself back to what do I want to do right now? What's my mission? I mean, if anything, I ask, what's my mission in today? I'm not going to say this moment because that's a little bit wooey. And, but today, I think, is a good, <laughs> you know, saying, talking about days is a yeah. nice concrete measurement that people can understand. <laughs> so uh, I'll say, what's my mission today and every day? And what's my mission today? And even Steve Jobs in, his, in that Stanford address that he did in 2005, he talked mm-hmm. about how he followed what he loved and then the dots connected afterwards. He looked back over his life and he saw, okay, that's where... That apparently was my purpose. That was yeah. apparently what I did. But I don't think we get to know what's what's out in the future. I think we, and I want to stay out of my future. My future <laughs> to me is kind of like a bad party where there's like some stuff that's kind of well, like late night TV where it's like, oh, there's some stuff that's like kind of interesting, like explosions or, you know, semi nudity <laughs> or something. But it's just like, I don't want to be there. I, there's There's really not... I just don't want to be there. I want to be here. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy to some people who are maybe like, you know, not feeling the spiritual vibe so much. But I just haven't found that, like, I found that there's so much, there's so much wisdom in doing what I feel like doing right now. And that it takes care of itself. Like there, there is a, if I really follow that, what I produce is is really far better than what I could have imagined or could have planned or could have tried to make happen, you know? So that's, that's really the long answer to that for me. Anyways, that's how I relate to it now. And it might change. I like that. And I mean, it shows too just the metamorphosis that you've undergone over the years. And I think each one of us, you know, we probably 
relate at different moments of that. And I'm thinking of, you know, so many of my friends are currently in the workforce that I'm wondering their biggest thing may not be, you know, they may not be able to have this, the comfy chair exercise each morning. It's, I have to get up and go do the grind. Yeah. So how did you move from, you know, even military into the life that you're in now? They're completely different worlds. What were some of your like turnkey moments that that created the shift to get you to where you are today? Were there like, were there any near death experiences or what, you know, what was it? I've, I've been asked that myself, but, um, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, moments. Yeah. I have, I have a good story. Um, and it happened in 2006, which was one year into my five years as a Navy officer experience. And, and this story really illustrates the point of, you don't have to get out of the job before you start following this intuition, I guess, because I had it like that. I had it that people would ask me, you know, Oh, because I had some music skills, you know, I've been playing for a while and people were like, people would see me play and they'd say, Oh, you know, you're really good. What, what are you doing? And I'd be like, well, you know, I'm a, I do this music thing on the side because I'm a Navy officer and that they'd actually be really impressed. They'd be like, wow, that's, that's really impressive. Like, I can't believe yeah. that you do both. And I'm like, yeah, you know, no big deal. And, um, and I remember in 2006, I was at this open mic at a place called the stats and it's a fa- popular open mic in San Diego. And I played a few songs and then girl after me played a few songs and she was really good. And she was kind of cute too. She came up to me afterwards and she said, Hey, I, she said, I really liked your music. And and I said, oh, wow, thanks. Yeah, you, you're great, too. This is this is exciting. Somebody's talking to me. And, <laughs> and, she said, and then she asked me about my ambition for music. Essentially, she was like, so what what do you like? What do you do or what are you up to as a musician? And I gave her the same kind of answer I've been giving people, which is, oh, well, I'm not really a musician. I just play music, but on the side, but I'm actually a Navy officer. And she was kind of disappointed. <laughs> Like most people are kind of impressed. Right. But she was like, oh, because she felt that I I didn't really give a shit about music, but that I actually but she saw a guy on stage who really gave a shit about music because that's yeah, it didn't match up. And that conversation sort of tailed off and ended. And then, uh, you know, she walked away and that made me think, you know, and I don't like leaving cute girls disappointed. So I I went home (laughs) And I was like, what's going on? I was like, am I, I just, I just, I couldn't stop thinking about it on the way home. And, and I get home and I thought, okay, well, you know, what I'm thinking right now is that the Navy is stopping me from playing music. Like I can't be a, I can't have a music career right now. I mean, come on, I'm in the Navy. I've got a full-time job. I'm going out to sea. I'm doing deployments. I mean, yeah. you know, and I started thinking about it. I said, well, what if I got, what if I got let go today from the Navy? Like, what if they just pink slipped me and they said, okay, you're done. Like, would I really be ready to play music? You know, would I actually just step off the ship and like onto a music career? Like, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I was playing like one, one gig every couple months. I wasn't getting paid that much. Um, I, I definitely saw that I could, I could, you know, get better in terms of uh, my voice and my songwriting and, and, and there was just like a million things I would do. And I, there was a million things I needed to do that I was going to need money for. And so mm. I thought to myself, well, um, that's clearly not true that the Navy's stopping me. I imagine at some point 
the Navy might stop me from playing music, right? Like I, sure. you can't, I can't do a world tour for six months and still be in the Navy, but nobody right. is calling me up asking me to tour the world right now. <laughs> so right. wherever I think this imaginary wall is, is clearly not where it is. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's just my fear of actually just doing it. So I thought to myself, I said, I said to myself that night, it was 2006 and I, and I knew I had five years in the Navy. It was, it was like to the day I knew I'd be in for five years, which okay. is till 2010. And so I said, okay, one year before I get out, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to hit that wall. Like I'm going to be ready to go. And wow. God damn it. If I did it, I mean, I really like a year before I got out, I was like playing on the radio and then my boss would find out and get upset at me. And like, you know, I was doing things and the you. Navy was stopping me, you know, and it was like, holy shit. I, but I worked my ass off. I mean, I was like, I would leave at lunch to take voice lessons. I just like, I would, I would just, I, I sleep was the last thing I cared about. I was burning the candle at both ends because I'd go out and play gigs at night and then I'd wake up early and go to work in the morning and then I'd book gigs at work and then I'd get home, change out of my uniform, go out again. You know, I was I was just hustling my ass off because yeah. I could, you know, because there I couldn't honestly say that the Navy was stopping me until I'd actually tested it. And so mm -hmm. that led to, you know, a music career. And, and when I got out, so... I guess the the why I told the story is that when I got out, it didn't feel like a transition. I already transitioned. Like my life, yeah. the Navy was just this this place I went from nine to five and collected a paycheck. And and that sounds sort of bad when when some people might think, well, that's 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 terrible. You mean you weren't putting your heart into the Navy too? And and actually, that was sort of the opposite because. I wasn't expecting anything out of the Navy but a paycheck. So right. I showed up every day and I did my job with the with the kind of pride that I wanted to have, not the kind of ex, not the kind of pride that would have me get good marks for some thing that didn't matter because it didn't matter I was going to get paid the same either way. And so I showed up and I and I would go to bat for the guys that worked for me and I or I I'd, I'd try to make some policy change for just a few guys who wanted different meals or I don't know. I would just do things that, that inspired me um, yeah. because it didn't matter. And, and so that I was actually one of the happiest guys on my ship because the Navy was, was just this place where all I expected was to make money. And you know what? It's a really good place to, to do that because they are very consistent with their paychecks every two weeks. And so, yeah. I really just enjoyed it and I didn't end up feeling a transition when I got out. It just literally felt like I was on a vacation because when I was on vacation or when I was, it was the weekend, I just completely forgot about the Navy and I would just immerse myself in music and the life that I, that I was living outside of my day job. Yeah. It sounds like it switched and soon you were a musician who did the Navy on the side. Exactly. And people would say that people would be like, man, the Navy's like your hobby. And I said, yeah, it is my, it, this is my day job because in the Navy, more so than in corporate life, it's more obvious that we identified with our work, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, it's kind of this, like, we don't talk about that in corporate world because that's just crazy, but it happens. But in the Navy, that that's actually really encouraged. I mean, you, the Navy wants you to identify with being a sailor or a Marine or a soldier or whatever, because that, yeah. that makes you, that makes you want to stay in. And, and so I was clearly not 
identified <laughs> with being a Navy officer, although it was something I did, you know, yeah. and it and it gave me all sorts of freedom to be whoever I wanted to be, aside from the haircut and the no beard. But you could see I changed <laughs> that as soon as I got out. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's quite different now yeah so so and that was actually in a way that was the hardest that was one of the hardest things was not being able to grow my hair or grow a beard or you know travel or express myself or or, you know or like say say things on the internet that might get me in trouble like I was I was like that was the biggest bummer for me you know Mm -hmm. in a a weird sort of way so I still have nightmares I have I have this reoccurring nightmare that I'm that I have to go back to the Navy and I'm totally cool with it, except for the fact that they make me that they're not going to let me keep my beard. And it's the weirdest <laughs> shit. <laughs> that sounds like an awful nightmare. It's the weirdest thing, but I'm actually totally cool with it. Like I enjoyed the Navy, but I would just enjoy it if they just let me keep a couple things. But those couple Come things on, made such a difference to me because I, I really value that self-expression it's just a weird dream. So I don't even know if it makes any sense to anybody. So it's clearly the subconscious fight to keep your beard. That's, that's yeah. all it's all, yeah. you know, yeah. which is understandable. I think but so. No, but that's, that's a great illustration. I think of, of what so many people are working through, whether it's creating a business on the side or in the background. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it a yeah. lot. Of, yep. Gary you know, if you have, yeah, the, the hustle. And if you do work nine to five, you still have, Seven, Seven to two until two, yeah. you know, come home, kiss your kids, have dinner and then get back to work on yeah. what you really want to do and build yeah. that. So, yeah. and I want to say something too, about yeah. I, I do love Gary V for that. Um, and that I know the video even you're talking about, it's just incredible. Oh, yeah. He's just on so alive <laughs> and passionate. So good. And yeah. I think that, and I wouldn't trade lives with Gary Vaynerchuk no. because he is—he's gone off the deep end with this whole hustle thing. So, you know, like he's—he's he's never satisfied, and he's just—I think he's working himself to to a eventual explosion or collapse. So, but his his advice on 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 and his the way he motivates people to to not buy these excuses and to hustle i think is beautiful i agree and i mean for what our he may be going off the deep end just to get people to hustle a little bit yeah (laughs) you know to to be he is not only the example but he is the extreme example yeah so of course for anyone who wants to be the best of the best you got to put in that kind of hour those kinds of hours and and i think for those of us who just want to build you know whether it's building something that can just support you know, an individual's life or the family's life and just be kind of a subsistent thing versus him who wants to buy the jets and he has pretty big vision, which is awesome. Yeah. I think it just, it has to, it has to be a, the work ethic has to be appropriate to what you want to achieve. And if you're disillusioned and thinking I can achieve a ton without working a lot or vice versa, or Mm -hmm. then it's just, it's a good reality check, but I agree. He's, he's awesome. So full of life. Yeah so fun yeah well tell me too uh, we're getting kind of close to the sounds like your work is very enjoyable but are there things that you do outside of work that are kind of what what I like to call soul cultivators those things that kind of just spice it up for you or like you were saying take you out of your comfort zone or so I look at it a little bit differently in that uh, my soul is always cultivating and that I, I just, I want to be aware of the things that destroy it, that destroy the creative process, that destroy that for me. And so 
I have examples of that stuff because when it's like one example is when I do something for money and just so I don't come off like the hippie and Bali guy who doesn't like money. Um, <laughs> I'll clarify what I mean in that I don't want money to enter the creative process um, before I feel like I've really put myself into it. Um, yeah. So I might write something or I might write, a, for example, I'm writing a book. So I'm writing, I'm writing this book and people are always asking me like, oh, are you going to get it published? Are you going to do this? And I, I said, I won't, I will do nothing until I finish it. There's right. no, there's, there's not, there's no reason that thoughts of monetization or publishing it are going to enter my brain until I write the book that I want to read that I am so happy with that I can't wait for my grandchildren to read. Now I'm probably not going to have kids, but whatever. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's so important to me. And then, and then after that's done, then I will monetize the shit out of it. Like I'll go crazy right. with it. I will sell it to whoever I will make it. I'll, I will do that, but I'm not going to touch the baby. Like I'm not going to tell the baby what it needs to be. You know, I'm going to let the baby grow up and then become an adult and then look at what the adult is. Oh my God, look, my kid's a graphic designer. Wow, that's great. So I wrote this book and as soon as I finish it, then I'll start thinking about publishing. And I think we do that all wrong. I think we get, we, we let money enter into our creative process way too soon and it ends up killing our, our ability to actually monetize the thing too because it's not fantastic. You know, right. it's not, it's not good enough for people to want to, to people to talk about because when we do something out of our own love and creativity, you know, here's a great example. Um, I've been fascinated lately with movies that are written and directed by the same person. Hmm. Right. I yeah. would, I kind of wish there was actually a, li I, I'm, I go on IMDb sometimes and I look this up, but here's a great example was like Don John was written and directed by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right. Okay. And I had heard that, but I, we went and saw the movie and I, and I loved it. I loved that movie. And I could tell that that was the movie he wanted to make. And he didn't give a shit whether it was successful or not. He yeah. just, he wrote and directed that. That was a piece of him that he was sharing with the world. And I will go see those movies every day and, and they have never disappointed me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. or like Avatar was a great example of James Cameron. Like he's, James Cameron had been waiting to make that movie for years and years and years and years until yeah. the technology caught up before he could actually do it. And right. I will go like those movies are incredible because they're someone like really putting their stamp into the world and it's not like, you know, fast and furious five or something or whatever. I, those <laughs> movies might be okay too. But so I think that's so important. And I, and I look for that. I want to see that in work that I consume and then I, I have to create that way. Otherwise, otherwise, otherwise what's the point? Otherwise I might as well just get a job. That's, exactly. you know, it's no better than making money. If I'm going to make money doing something I don't love, I might as well just make it easy on myself and go get a job at Morgan Stanley. You know? Yeah. It's like, the system already it's in place. so easy. Then I don't have to like, at least they don't have to beat myself up over it. I can just go <laughs> do it. I, there's so many other, so many jobs out there that are easy and make decent money and I'd be so fine doing it, you know? But if I want to do what I love, like just fucking do it. Like I don't, you know, it's not, there's no... It just drives me crazy because we, we do what we love and, but we end up just wanting to say we do what we love, but we're not actually really, really happy in it because we're making little, we're selling out along the way or making little sacrifices along the way. And, and 
there's nothing wrong with sacrificing or selling out, but just own it and sell out and get a fucking job, you know, because yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, not worth doing it in yourself. It's like it's so much harder to be an entrepreneur than it is to get a job. So why torture yourself unless you're going to get the rewards of doing what it's you want? So true. It's so true. I have a feeling that's probably the story of so many entrepreneurs yeah. lives. I've, I've uh, got a friend who started a company in San Diego and he's a brilliant entrepreneur and he's a millionaire and he's got 50 employees and I was still, I wouldn't trade lives with him in a second. Like he's trapped in that company. Like absolutely. fuck that. I mean, I, I've determined that for myself, you know, I, Paula and I work together, my wife and she, we put on a lot of events together and my goal is to have one full-time employee that works for both of us that we, mm-hmm. that are just, is just a joy to spend time with. I mean, someone that's like our best friend and, yeah. and, and that person will take care of, all the minutia of our work and we pay them a nice salary and that's it. That's my yeah. company. That's my yeah. life. I don't want employees. I don't get excited about the prospect of hiring three interns. Like fuck that. Like <laughs> interns are a pain in the ass. You know, I don't yeah. want to train yeah. someone. Like I yes. want I want my life to be the I want my quality of life to be the thing that I I do not sacrifice on at all. It's all in how we create it, but I agree with you. I'm I'm on the same page for sure. I think, and that's why there's different things for different folks. Some people thrive and just get so juiced up by being the leader of a big company or by being part of a team that's doing something, you know, that's in line with their vision and what they want to do in the world, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, personally, though, I, I want to stay lean and lean and mean in my business and yeah. keep it portable and keep it. Yeah. Seth Godin said something which I loved once. He he is telling a story of he was at some hotel and out by the pool with his laptop and he I tell the story all the time. You know that one. Okay. So it's like he he overhears (laughs) two women uh talking about him and he they say, Oh, isn't that sad? Look at that poor man. He's he's working here and he's in on vacation. And he didn't say anything to them, but you know, what he says is like, Hey, um, that may look sad to you, but what's even more sad is when you have a life that you have to escape from, you know, yeah. what, what about creating a life where you didn't have to escape for two weeks a year, you know, cause yeah. he was, he might've been answering an email from someone that he loved and it's a pleasure to do what he does. So, um, yeah. it's a great story. I, yeah, I tell it all the time. I actually was just in Mexico a couple of weeks ago and was answering emails there and, and was so happy to be doing that because I was in Mexico and, I didn't hate what I was doing. In yeah. fact, I loved it more because I got to do it in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, like you said, it's all about perspective. Mm-hmm. So, well, we're, we're coming to the end here. So let me ask you some of my last few favorite questions. Okay. Um, and yeah, and I'm so glad that we had this conversation. And even if neither of us was, were being paid for it, I would still want to be here too. Well, so. you're not paying me for this? <laughs> oh, <just> shoot. <laughs> oh, it's was hoodwinked. Wait. Uh, so, well, what are you most grateful for today? Huh. I'm, I'm, I think I'm really grateful for what's coming to mind right now is the, the, this life force aliveness that I've been able to be present to the last hour as we've been talking. And it's just this, this feeling of being like radiantly alive. And 
I'm I'm grateful because I don't know. It's a it's very mysterious to me, and mm. and I it, it's just it makes life worth living. And I don't know where it comes from or why, but sometimes we get into these modes that uh, it's just like we feel totally alive. We feel like this is as good as it gets, and yeah. um, not in like a sad way, in like a really good way. Um, yeah, and so. <laughs> I'm just really grateful that, that I have this, this, that this human body does this every once in a while. And I get to experience that and go for a ride. Yeah. I love that. I love that. What would you say is your definition of living your dance? Well, uh, what came to mind for me is, uh, that Monty Python skit, like the ministry of funny walks, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I guess you know what I'm talking about. You're laughing. I have this idea for a workshop that would be I get a I get a bunch of people in a big empty room and it would be it would be a long room maybe even the size of a football field but maybe I'll do it outside <laughs> um <laughs> and uh, I haven't thought this one out yet Choice. but uh, and I would give them this like couple minutes speech about your life is is a to is from a to b birth to death and how you do it is completely up to you and this where you are right now represents your birth. You're at the, you know, goalpost and a hundred yards or 120 yards down the field is your death. And you guys have five minutes and at the end of five minutes, you're going to die. So you have to get, you have to be at the other end of this field in five minutes. That's the only rule. And how would you do it? And I just say, go. And I'd start the clock and people would do different stuff. Some people would, some people would run. Some people would crawl. Some people would lie in the grass for a couple minutes. Some people would uh, would form groups and start holding hands and walk together. Some people would uh, one be one person carrying another person in their arms, you know. And and some people would dance. Some people would would make it like the the dance of their lifetime. And mm. so to me, it's like living your dance means how are you going to go from A to B. And 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 I love the term dance because we get that dancing is not essential. I mean, it is in some sense, but but the dan dancing is a choice you make to make movement beautiful. Mm, yes, definitely. And so, what that means to me is, it's like, hey, how do you want to live if life were a dance? If life were a movement? Because it is anyways, you can move all stiff or you can dance either way. You're going to get from A to B and you're going to die. So what is your dance? What is the message? What is the way you want to express yourself? And and all of it is totally OK. You could you could sprint to the finish line. You could lay down and go to sleep for five minutes or you could you could make a masterpiece and all of it will get the receive the same grade. Yeah, ooh, I like that a lot, mm -hmm. a lot. Thank you. Well, for for those of us who want to keep up with David Buddha, where do we find you online? How do we keep in touch with you? Well, you mentioned the podcast, which is fun, and that's on creativity. And the thing that I'm really excited about now is just writing every week on my blog. And you can find that at, at Buddhaism.com, which is spelled uh, B-O-O-D-I-S-M dot com and you know write about the stuff that i talk about here awesome and i'll definitely link to both of those in my show notes for sure sweet but awesome well thank you so much i loved your candor i love your stories and 
And you're definitely a pleasure to talk to. I can't wait till someday we get to high five in person and <laughs> connect the dots. That would be officials. great. It's, it's, it's clear to me that every minute I spend talking to you is a pleasure. So I appreciate that. Definitely the same here. Mutual. That's the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Dave. Well, there you have it. Thanks again for listening and be sure to like, share, and comment on the podcast or around social media. Hashtag live your dance and look forward to more episodes coming your way. Have a great day and be sure to live your dance.